0: how we doing folks uh welcome back to yet another episode of in defense of liberation the show that is educating about and working towards a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a proletarian revolution Uh, but until we see that day i am your host josh uh, and thanks for stopping by this is your first time tuning in you should just know off the top I am driving so there might be some annoying background noise I apologize um on top of that uh if this is your you know if you're coming back I appreciate that and I hope that I can do another good show for you today um so today I want to talk about uh settler colonialism um It's an incredibly important topic, um, and it's one that I myself, as a white person, uh, have had to genuinely spend time educating myself about. And so what good would, you know, spending that time educating myself be if not to then turn that into more education? Um, Because I find... Most of the time, what makes it very, very difficult for some folks to learn about this topic is A, an honest lack of solid information. Um, There's great native and indigenous podcasts, YouTube channels, books, and other forms of media. But if you don't know where to look, it's hard to find them. And sometimes when you just look up indigenous struggles, you're going to get caught on some like DSA type, which, you know, not always bad, but I mean, even still, you don't necessarily want to be learning, um you know, all of this information from someone who looks or sounds like me, right? But it is important that we as white folks go around and educate other white folks and begin to, you know, hammer away at the reactionary tendencies that most, you know, white people, whether implicit or explicit in our society today have uh, because guess what? They're not gonna listen to it from native people or from black folks because they hate them. So if it has to be us, it has to be us, but that means we have to do it properly. So settler colonialism is a pretty big term Um, And it encompasses centuries of human history. So the best way to describe things like this, I find, is by kind of going through the broad history of their development. Because I think that that gives us a more historical materialist outlook on these things than just simply, here's what I think settler colonialism is. It avoids, you know, some idealism in that way. So basically, uh, you want to talk, to some extent, six, seven hundred years back, right? Really looking at the early, early, uh, well, I should say five hundred, six hundred, the really early, early to late fourteen and fifteen hundreds especially if we're speaking in the context of North and South America. So you have, in a lot of cases, uh, an aristocracy in one or another country in Europe. So you have, like, the Portuguese, the Dutch, the French, the British, um, the Spanish, the Italian all of whom at one point or another openly and actively participate in some form or another of colonialism. Now, the difference between settler colonialism and colonialism can be found in that first word, settler. A lot of colonial projects exist only for extraction and temporary encampment. Uh, early colonialization did not always mean that therein those uh colonists were going to come and you know try to set up a home they didn't always have the ability to you know nor did they you know always get a chance to stay for very long um because you know oppressed people only stay oppressed for so long but So the the real change comes right around kind of the turn of a lot of the uh, religious um, and and social quote-unquote revolutions that were breaking out all throughout Europe. You know, you had a lot of cultural uh, breakthroughs. You had a lot of political change, a lot of social change. And so in a lot of cases that sent folks running away. Um, You know, when you were the losing group, either got killed, captured, sent into exile, or made to, you know, be the oppressed people now. So you had this mass flocking in a lot of cases out of Europe in the late 1600, or I should say the early 1600 to, you know, whenever, blank really still today um and this was really the shift because now you had a necessity not only to steal the raw materials and labor from an oppressed people but you had to figure out a way to live there because now you no longer had you know a land to sail back to or, uh, you know, a king or a queen that's that's paying your way to go rape, pillage, and burn down entire cities of people. Um, now you got to figure out how to do it on your own and how to succeed at it. So here we see like a huge, huge, huge doubling down on a lot of the violence that took place. Because, you know, there's there's some folks who will say, well, you know, not all colonialism was really that bad. Sometimes they kind of lived in harmony, da 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 That's not true (laughs) at all. But in some cases, like, they didn't have to go and genocide, like, a few million people. You know, in some cases, there was genuinely just the difference in you had the colonists... Who were coming in with a need to oppress in order to become the ruling class. And then in a lot of cases, such as in our country, in North America, um, you had cultures of people who were caretakers, who were, you know, selfless givers, who in some cases, you know, did not need to be outright murdered. You know, in some cases, they believed in the idea of sharing up to a point until they became oppressed. So in some cases, you know, you have just a genuine advantage taken of, like, good people. But it wasn't always until usually later on when contradictions heightened when those people realized hey, wait a minute, we keep sharing and you keep killing us. Um, At that moment, you know, you kind of have that shift where, all right, now places like the U.S. uh, stop signing treaties with sovereign nations and decide instead that any indigenous people within the borders of what is called the United States of America are now under, you know, this is back, I think, My history is going to be wrong, but I want to say 1780s. Um, And they basically decided, nope, you are uh, property of the United States. And so they put, you know, instead of signing treaty rights, they put any and all actions to be taken with indigenous people in the Department of War. Um, And then later in the Department of the Interior... Which is also used to manage wildlife, uh, which really shows you how the U.S. government and others view indigenous life as, you know, equally as pollutable and, you know, uh, able to be suppressed as the nature that they continuously destroy. So anywho, back to my point, settler colonialism. When this shift really takes place, right, especially in, because most of my history, I'm going to be honest, is centered around the North American or Turtle Island uh, indigenous struggle, Uh, albeit, you know, the struggle is somewhat parallel in a lot of different countries. Of course, the actual exact history is vastly different, uh, in its own context. So I don't, you know, want to get ahead of myself and make it seem like at, at any point I have all that knowledge. I barely have much knowledge on, you know, indigenous history of Turtle Island, but like, you know, I have enough where I feel like it's important that we talk on it. So when you have this inception of real settler colonialism, Especially in the U.S. context It was due to an expulsion Of different groups of people uh, Whether You know Of their own accord Or through forced means One way or another Out of places like Britain And You know Into the colonies Which You know Britain had control of at that time Well Well Eventually, you know, as, we, as the story goes, we wanted freedom and liberty for our people, right? No. What happened was you had, you know, a few million people who came over to Turtle Island and began building a new type of commerce built on their own ownership of land, which prior to this many of the middle class folks didn't even have in Britain uh, ownership of shops. They began taking part in the governance of their country, you know, so they were able to get a taste of power there. And eventually, the new developing ruling class was like, you know what, honestly, I'm kind of fucking sick of Britain. So they decided they're gonna, as always, send the, you know, men, uh, uh, because at this point it was exclusively men in most cases. Um, send men and children off to war. Working class men and children, of course, not us. No, 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 no. We'll leave, and we'll get some good pictures. But yeah, no, we'll probably not. We'll we'll see you there. We'll you know we'll 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 let you know what's going on. Um. And so. You know, the real story of the Revolutionary War goes mutiny, you know, uh, resisting of draft and conscription. Uh, Lack of, you know, proper goods. So many people dying of weather conditions, hunger, etc. And then, you know, folks who really make it out, who maybe fought their three to five years that they were entitled to, were promised land and money in a lot of cases that they never saw. So this kind of coalescing power that was developing out of the colonies was really the all that this project could become. Because if you look at the history of the settler colonial project in the United States, which started... Way way back, right around the end of the 16th century, um, with you know a lot of Dutch and Spanish settlers, It, it was from its onset a group of people coming from out outside of a you know space an environment, a a land going into that space somehow or another repressing and oppressing the people who were living there taking a few of them to raise up to token level so that then you can point and say that the rest of folks are lazy and uneducated and unwilling to work because look at so and so then, you know, through different forms of violence, such as a lack of rights, a lack of political or social power, uh, a lack of arms, weapons, uh, and a forced underdevelopment and undereducation, as well as explicit police, military, and other violence, you have this just complete, subjugation of a people group to utter dehumanized existence. There can be no comparison between the existence of the incoming colonists and the people whose land they are colonizing. There can be no comparison Because within the social structure that develops therein, there is no comparison. Indigenous people are stripped of all their land, all of their wildlife, including millions of buffalo that were killed intentionally by the United States government and other militias so as to starve entire indigenous nations. Um, As well as just, you know, being taken from their land being thrown on reservations being genocided being starved to death watching their children being taken to border schools such as the residential school up in canada where they just found 215 dead indigenous boys and girls and two spirits uh buried underneath the the building there was no hope this, For there to be anything other than just a centralization and a cementing of this rule in some form of quote-unquote official way. And that is what you see the development of what we now call the United States of America as. Because from its onset, there is no difference between what we call the colonies at what we call the United States of America, except under the United States of America, it was under the centralized rule of the United States of America, wherein before it was different powers coming in and doing the oppressing, the killing, the raping, the murdering, the burning of villages, the, the destroying of wildlife, the destroying of land, air, and you know water. All of this was, you know, officially. Uh, commemorated and signed off uh, explicitly to be the right of the United States government. So, in doing so, you have the solidifying of what we talked about in my last episode, the state. So, what is the state? Well, the state, in this case, is the organized justification, or I should say, the organized power of rule of one class over another. The state comes in different forms, such as our political offices, president, House of Representatives, Congress, our judiciary, it's the Supreme Court, it's the Constitution, it is the police. It is the military, it is the legislation that takes any and all rights from different groups of men, women, and children, and transgender folks, LGBTQ folks being you know, made other, it is the gender binary in some cases, it is sexual violence, it is all of this, anything that the state needs to become for the continued rule over the working people over the oppressed masses that is the state any organized version of rule in this way for the explicit intent of retaining rule is the state so this solidifying of the state really solidifies settler colonialism as a practice not just an event Or a historical epoch. But an actual, active, alive, continued, changing, and evolving practice. Israel is a settler colonial state. Australia is a settler colonial state. New Zealand, Hawaii, Puerto Rico are all settler colonial states. And so when we recognize this, we recognize, okay, well, what does that mean? Because we can sit here and say we live in a settler colonial state, but what does that mean? Well, it means that there is one explicit group of people, that is the settlers, but not only the settlers, because as we see in the development of the United States, even amidst the settlers, there are poor, and powerless people, such as women, such as children, such as LGBTQ folks, such as black, brown, and indigenous people. So settler colonialism is the solidification of the power in the hands of the ruling elite, the ruling wealthy elite, the ruling white wealthy elite, ruling white male wealthy elite in the U.S. or wherever. All the power goes to them. And by power, I don't just mean sitting in government, right? Because sitting in government is cool, but if millions of people have guns and you're only allowed to continue being president as long as you do things that the people want, and if you don't, they remove you, then being in government doesn't give you any power power is in the hands of these ruling elite because there aren't weapons in the hands of the people and so nor is there an organized reason to have weapons in the hands of the people or a a place to point them we might just point them at each other because we still are so awash in what settler colonialism and other you know things such as capitalism have done to our society and to our culture. But settler colonialism, right, solidified itself in the United States through a multiplicity of different ways. We talked about earlier in the early stages of the, you know, settling of the U.S. of Turtle Island, there was treaties that were signed with sovereign nations. This... You know, this is a difficult thing to explain, but basically this was never done in a way that you or I could call fair. So indigenous people in a lot of cases were already suffering, if not outright warfare, they were suffering biological warfare. They were suffering starvation, forced starvation. They were suffering... Surrounding by settlers Harassment Sexual and physical violence And so you kind of Get people to the edge And then you draft up a nice little Treaty right Of which these groups of people Still will not sign This is the true sign of resistance In the indigenous peoples of this land And elsewhere They still did not sign these treaties Until randomly Men, oftentimes, were just selected and said to be the chief and said to have any political power in order to make these decisions and then forced under threat of violence to sign. And that was the justification in a lot of cases for the signature and signing away of land from indigenous people was just illogical and unjust quote-unquote treaties signed with people who had no power or right to be giving away that land. On top of this, settler colonialism is also, due to its continued existence, a cultural, sociological, economic, and mental change. It is oppression of all aspects of life not just physical existence in the sense that indigenous people were taken from their homes their children were made to look white made to speak English made to learn the history of the United States being that any cultural practices were punished by death such as proper dress such as seasonal events and celebrations such as you know agricultural practices language dances all of this was constantly fought with threats of physical violence settler colonialism is also the lack of any political power still to this day of indigenous nations within the borders of their own settler colonial states it wasn't until the 60s 1960s 200 plus years after the beginning stages of settler colonialism within the united states that through a combined effort of multiple different indigenous peoples across the world the UN declared the right to self-determination the UN declared the right to indigeneity and laid out what it is to be indigenous and an indigenous state and nation with sovereignty and yet in 2021 five years after the fight at Standing Rock. While the Ferry Creek blockade in Canada. The old growth land is being fought for by indigenous people and their their, you know, their allies. In 2021, where, you know, 11 years after the People's Agreement in Cochabamba, Bolivia that dedicated the global South and those countries that were there to the expulsion of the pollution, the exploitation, and the destruction of Mother Earth. There is nothing that can be done by a group of people that is made powerless through hunger, through political powerlessness, through being set on reservations far away from any you know chance at food sovereignty any chance of having you know historical and cultural practices being upheld rather than having to partake in the wage system none of this is possible to be done by a group of people in this position alone these people need not only the power vested in their own hands but they also need us white folks, black folks brown folks, gay folks trans folks men, women, children two spirits to recognize the role that we play in the continued settler colonialization of the lands that we exist on we need to recognize today as people who live on stolen land what indigenous sovereignty is how to implement it how to fight for it and how to organize with those trying to facilitate it because this has to be a combined effort to wipe settler colonialism not only from Turtle Island but from all over the face of the earth this entails the ending Of the oppression of people through the use of capitalism, through the use of imperialism, militarization, and colonialism that still continue to this day. We cannot and will not see an end to settler colonialism, to capitalism. The oppression of people everywhere until people everywhere put an end to settler colonialism. We have 500 plus years of experience to learn from. We have millions of indigenous people alive today resisting and fighting for their sovereignty, whom we can organize with and learn from. There is no excuse to be had other than our own comfortability and unwillingness to speak on or act on these things that should stop any of us from fighting for indigenous sovereignty. There is nothing that will defeat settler colonialism except for an end to imperialism, capitalism, colonialism, white supremacy, patriarchy. I could keep going, you know, but the point is that it has to be done by all of us together. Otherwise it will 100% fail, not only just outright, but even if we succeed Right in getting any power into the hands of these people, it will be met with reaction, it will be met with massacre, it will be met with failure. We cannot fail. Indigenous people for hundreds of years have also been the caretaker of not only each other in a way that United States and other colonial you know, societies have no mental picture of, but they've also been the caretakers of this earth for generations for centuries. This planet is not going to be around in order to be exploited and destroyed in the way that it has been for hundreds of years now. It can only be through land back, decolonization and implementation of indigenous sovereignty over indigenous land all indigenous land true indigenous sovereignty as defined by and operated by indigenous peoples by their historical and cultural ways this is indigenous sovereignty and this is the only thing that will lead to an end to the depletion, pollution, and destruction of the world's resources, of its water, of its air, and of its land. We are amidst a, I want to say it's the sixth mass extinction, which, albeit have, you know, naturally occurred before, this is within a period Unheard of. This usually takes, you know, place over millions of years, and it's been hundreds. We cannot allow this destruction, corruption, colonialization, and oppression to continue, of any people, let alone our indigenous relatives and non-human relatives, such as the water, land, and air, that is our life force. If you're still listening to this, I appreciate you very much. Um, I hope this episode was informative. Um, For anything more on settler colonialism, please check out Our History is the Future by Nick Estes. Please check out the Red Nation podcast. Check out Decolonized Buffalo. Check out uh, Wode podcast. Check out um, uh, Settlers by Jay Sakai. Um, Check out, uh, you know, there's all kinds of shit, all kinds of sources that you can find. And if anybody needs anything, you let me know. Um, Because, you know, not only do we need to learn these things from our indigenous relatives of North America, but we also need to learn these things from our indigenous human relatives and non-human relatives all over the globe. Um, So, yeah, I appreciate you listening. I hope this was informative and educational and that I wasn't too, too ignorant in my whiteness here. Um, I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you did and you would like to hit me up for whatever reason, please go ahead and check me out on my social media at Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. Go ahead and hit me up also at In of liberation at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find my blog at forliberation, no caps or spaces, dot W I X S I T E dot com, forward slash website. Um, and yeah, I uh, appreciate the, the listen. I hope this was. You know, like I said, informative by any means. And uh, until next time, folks, we will see you. Stay revolutionary. Um, so I also would like to recommend um, The Red Deal, Indigenous Action to Save Our Earth by The Red Nation. Um, the Hundred Years' War on Palestine. I would also like to suggest The Darker Nations by VJ Prashad. As Long as Grass Grows by Dina Galeo Whitaker. Um, For some historical context, I mean, you could try to read, although it's definitely not the most important read at this moment on this topic, you could definitely try to read on the origins of the family, private property, and the state. Uh, I think that would give some context to the earlier forms of civilization uh, that kind of show how indigeneity is wholeheartedly opposed to colonization and how capitalism and the oppression of colonization have completely destroyed our earth. Uh, But yeah, I just want to throw that in there because I think it's important. Um, Yeah, so thanks for listening. Bye.